What's up, Drop Pod listeners? You can check out new episodes of the Drop Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find all of our content on YouTube at the Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at the Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by All County Exteriors. All County Exteriors is a third generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business. In a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior modeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulat. What's up, Drop Pod people? How you doing this week? Uh, Mike and I are excited to be here uh, coming at you on January the 10th. Um, another great Wednesday. Hope everyone's uh, January and New Year are, are coming along nicely. Um, those of you that are doing dry January, stick with it. Stay strong. Uh, I'm in the fight there with you. So we uh, we got two more weeks left, something like that. So we uh, maybe one, two, three more weeks left. So we can do it. You can get there. <laughs> um, we got an exciting episode for you. We had a couple topics we're going to talk about. And then we have um, Barnes Blake on the uh on the podcast he's our he's our guest for this week uh barnes is a native of westfield new jersey went to westfield high school um he is currently playing at georgetown university it's on their golf team had a uh had a pretty solid first uh he's a freshman they finished their fall season he had some nice numbers you know some i guess some getting used to it a little bit but on some others but i you know I don't know what his expectations were, but from what I was looking at, I had a nice a nice fall. Um, but his 2023 summer, this past summer, was was a rocket ship. Uh, he won both the Carter Cup at Baltusrol and the Met Junior at Echo Lake, and it eventually went on to win the MGA Junior Player of the Year. Um, just an absolute an absolute stud. Um, and threw up some incredible numbers uh, at some at, at two really great courses. Um, has the course record now at Baltusrol, which is which is incredible. Uh, you know, you talk about that history there. I, I meant to. I, I didn't ask him, Mike, but I, I guess we should have. I guess that doesn't include when they set it up for professional tournaments, right? That can't be. That yeah, can't I be bet, the case. No, I, I, I mean, listen, I I don't know. I guess I don't know the specific answer there. I don't. But nonetheless, 
just the, scary, the numbers scary are scary. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm just <laughs> I'm in awe of the whole thing. Yeah. But anyway, stick around. Listen, he, he Barnes tells us the whole story and uh, and and how he went through that. So uh, so stick around for that. That's coming in. Um, yeah, listen. Back half of the and episode. before you get into our schedule, I mean, listen. Just kind of think about these last three weeks, okay? I know this has been like a thing I feel like I've said now for three straight weeks. But man, oh man, the guest list that we continue to find to put out there for the audience, I think, and I know this is like, again, we're patting ourselves on the back here, but like <laughs> these are these have been unreal guests to start. Well, I should say to end 2023 and then to start 2024, because even last week we had the MGA player of the year, Marcus Tans, like dude just goes out there and fucking golfs. Then this week we got the junior Met player of the year. Like we're talking guys and not even, we're not even taking ourselves outside of New Jersey. Again, listen for the audience, this is golfing in the garden state. So we're not even poaching people from New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. This is home. This is right here, home. Marcus Stanza is home. Barnes Blake is home. Dave Reasoner at the end of December, he's home. It's crazy what this state provides. Yeah, it really does. We we've said it countless times before. So, uh, so again, stick around for for Barnes. Um, again, it's it's incredible to see what numbers he's putting up. Uh, I want to give you a little a little scheduling uh, kind of update as I as I've started to like to do this new year. Um, Again, Mike's not able to get out on the course, so no Mike's verse on Monday this week. Uh, yesterday, my TPI Tuesday episode four came out. Um, again, if you didn't if you didn't check it out, head on over to YouTube uh, and go go give that a watch. It's really again the, the stuff that Doctor Mike has me doing and the stuff that we're doing together is um, it, it's I think it's fascinating stuff. And if anyone's interested in in getting there. Like New Year, working on your golf game, starting to feel like, okay, you know, March is kind of when we start opening up. People start getting to the driving ranges more and they stop stop kind of messing around at the simulators and start actually working. You know, this is another opportunity and, and Dr. Mike's doing some great stuff with me. So um, so head on over to uh, to our YouTube channel. Go check that out. It's uh, It's great stuff. But that came out Tuesday, episode four. We got the episode today. Uh, I did record a few Ryan's verses and we try to put mics out on Mondays and me out on Thursdays. It's kind of like a, a thing that we've been trying. Right. But I didn't record enough to get us all the way to the golf season. So what we're going to do is we're going to go every other week. So last week, uh, again, if you didn't check it out, go back. Ryan's versus second hole at Tidewater. Uh, this week, we're going to we're going to skip a week. Can we talk about that hole? Next week, give me a second. Next week we'll go uh we'll go with my with my next Ryan's verse. And uh I can tell you now it's a doozy. But yes, we can talk about that hole now, Mike. Let's talk about hole two. Yeah, so let's talk about hole two. Again, I mean I, I thought the place Tidewater looked great. I know that it may not be blossoming as if it was midsummer, but nonetheless, again, I, I think very highly of that place from what I've seen from afar. It was uh, again, I, I can't say enough good things about it. It just happened to be a a a crummier day that I that I caught it on. But man, that place is so good. So good. Let's talk about let's so let's talk about the five shots. Because okay. I mean the first tee shot. Now, again, it's a second hole. I don't know if you warmed up. I don't know if you got your stretching ahead of time. But 
when I saw where that ball ended up, I was like, God, this can only end. And I'm, my guess after I saw the tee shot is like, we're going to be banging the ball around the woods off a tree, calling bank left and right. <laughs> because, you know, that tee shot I saw went way right. And then when I saw the chip out, I couldn't necessarily see. I, I'm gauging it on your reaction. Yeah. And I thought the reaction was oh shit, it hit another tree and I'm waiting for the third shot, but I guess it trickled out to the fairway. Yeah, so let me let me stop you there. The I did I did warm up clearly not efficiently enough and I did stretch clearly not efficiently enough. Uh but I uh I went into playing that round like it was July. Like I'd been playing two rounds of golf a week for the last 7 weeks and I was swinging as hard as I could just like like a real dumbass and um so yeah it wasn't the, the swing was not was not right it was very it was it was in shambles all day to be quite honest with you but i so i hit the you know so i sliced the ball into the woods there and and one of the things i said it last week about tidewater is that they have these they have everything is well placed like if you look at like the golf course architecture they have and on hole two specifically, there's this bunker along the right hand side. Cause I don't want to say it's a dog leg right, but it does have a slight bend to the right. Like so you're you're going straight out to a landing zone, and then you have a little bit of a turn to to the green there. So your landing zone on the right hand side is this there's two bunkers that run along it that are really long and narrow. For anyone that does exactly what I do, they're gonna be in the bunker. But how the course is set up because it's weaving within the houses there's also a, a little bit of tr of the you know carolina pines before you get to these people's backyards so i went over the bunker as you saw and into these like into these pines which they're not super wooded but they're they are they're present they're present yeah so i set up the camera where i was trying to hit my ball and i actually uh I guess I could hide this, but you know I'm a lifted up, lift up the curtain kind of guy. I I was going aimed. If you watch the video, I was aimed straight down the straight down the barrel there. There was a pretty big opening between trees. I just took a like was going to knock down a four iron and just keep it low and try to run it up greenside, chip on and and try to make a putt. Right. Well, that doesn't happen because. I end up obviously not going through the chute, but it ends up kind of going out diagonally, stays in between the two bunkers, and gets out of the tree line. So if you watch the third shot, I have a clean view. Didn't yeah. hit any. It, I mean, as if it was it like was, a great pitch out. I, I, honestly, it was it was a very happy accident. Is what it was. It just happened to be great, and then I put a good a good swing on it. Um, and had an opportunity to save par, but I uh, I missed that putt as you saw by just a couple yeah, couple yeah. inches. Listen, so when I saw the third shot, it was a dart. So yeah. I was like, "Wow, this dude is going to make a par after this slap fade of a drive." Yeah. And the putt looked good the whole way. Yeah, the whole way. But yeah, like you asked last week, the greens were rolling good. I, I, it takes a little while, you know. I've never played there before, but they there's a lot of intricacies, intricalness intricacies to the greens there 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 really are they're they're pretty complex uh with like slight breaks or something you think is going to break and it breaks significantly more um 
yeah, they, they were they were rolling really good. But yeah, I had an opportunity. Again, I was really happy with Bogey there because I'm right, not me too. good enough. I because, would say yeah. make Bogey that drive puts you in a, <laughs> a situation where it's like I got to make a Bogey. Just make yeah. Bogey. If I make par, it's a win. I don't need to make a double. Yeah. Especially on your second hole of the day. The last thing anybody wants to do on a second hole of the day is throw up a six or seven on the car. Right. It's deflating. It's deflating. But right. listen, nonetheless. Especially after you it, went six and seven on the first hole. So, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, nonetheless, I thought it was a good bogey. It was yeah. a good recovery shot. It was. That's, for me, that's like, again, I've said it. I'm not, uh, like, you're a significantly better golfer than I am. Like, you're, you're going up there expecting, like, okay, I can get this on and I can make a par. I, I'm looking to not make doubles. And. And maybe it's like, don't say no, like, don't say, don't make double go in there, say, make bogey. Uh, maybe that's a positive mental attitude I got to have. But like, that's my thing is like, if I can, I'm never, I'm not putting my irons close enough to pins where I should be expecting a one putt. I mean, it was, you saw it. It was a 10, 12 foot putt that I, that I expect to two putt, but I need to two putt it. I don't, I don't need, like, I need to avoid the three putts and avoid the, the doubles. And I, I did exactly that. I gave it a gave it a run, gave it a chance, and yeah. So uh, next week you have a doozy. I, I will I will say we're going to skip this week, but stay tuned for uh, what's that? The eighteenth. We'll have a we got a we got one coming out that'll be that'll be exciting. Um, Mike, let's let's uh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the the century out in Hawaii. You want to get into that? Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, listen, it's nice to see golf being played again. Um, like we spoke about last week, we said that the PGA Tour is starting up and it's exciting to be able to like turn it on. I guess I do have a hard time with the century and I know what the century is in relation to other tournaments. It's it's a complete birdie fest. And I know there's times that we need to celebrate good golf and all that. But there are some times where it's like, holy hell. I mean, these guys are are twenty plus under through three rounds, and you know that the end score is going to be twenty seven, twenty eight under par. I guess I just find that hard to to comprehend that it's got to be a little harder because I mean, this field is a loaded field for the PGA Tour. It's it's fifty nine of the best golfers right now, minus Rory. So so it's for those that don't know it's history is it, you used to have to have won a tournament in the previous year to get in. So it only had like what 20 winners? It was like 30, yeah, 30, 30 people. 20, 30 people. Um then they opened it up to the winners and if you qualified for the tour championship. This year they've opened it up again to winners tour championship and if you're in the top 50 in the world yep. so it opens up to some more people again maybe not a ton more people but you add a few more people you know it there's 59 people in the field and just a few years ago there was it was topping out at like 30 so they've added some more people and, and it is just a birdie fest and and if you look mike i i think it goes it goes into like maybe people have taken some time off and and are just starting to gear up but like Ludwig Aberg last year had a season, right? We would all agree he had a phenomenal 2023 campaign. He currently Ryder, sits Ryder Cup winner, right? Right, Ryder Cup winner. He currently sits at 56th, tied for 56, 69, 70, 77. 
are are his three rounds so far. So, like, while I think it's an absolute birdie fest because you got guys that you've never heard of at the top of the leaderboard, um, you know, 69, 64, 66. Um, but then you also have Jan- Xander Shoffley. You got Jordan Spieth, um, Harris Inglis, Jason Day. I mean, you got some guys, but there's also some guys up there that that you've never heard of. It makes me think, like, yes, it's a birdie fest, but it shows how good these guys actually are. Because when you say it's a birdie fest and not every professional golfer, especially someone like Ludwig, isn't birdieing every hole, it, it's telling about exactly how good of golf these guys can play. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I mean, there's no other way to describe it as you just said. It's 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 just disgusting how good these guys are. And I saw somebody put out a tweet saying like, "Well, what is like, what is the professional golfer's handicap? Like, if you were to ask these guys, like, what do you say?" And a lot of people said that like, if you shot 69, 69, 69 through the first three rounds at Kapalua right now to this week, if you shot yeah. three rounds of 69, you would be considered a plus eight handicap. Okay, plus eight. But look at some of these scores. You know, for example, Chris Kirk's leading after three rounds. He went 67, who? 65. Chris Kirk. No, I was I was implying I don't know who that guy is. Oh, right. So he's <laughs> leading. But his three rounds are 67, 65, 66. So if you're telling me six, 369 equals plus eight, that means this dude's like plus 12, plus 13, which is just sickening to think on an mm-hmm. average golfer who, you know, I get it around and I'm a two handicap. These dudes are plus double digits. Yeah. It's it's amazing how good they are. And I think seeing that one tweet come out about someone put it out there, like that's what they would be. And that's only taken into consideration the rating and not even the slope. It could be frankly higher. But nonetheless, listen, it is amazing. Amazing. But, but then that goes there. to show like, okay, this one, <clears throat> Chris Kirk, who again is, is someone that's not high up on the PGA tour uh, money list. I don't, I don't think again, I, I feel like I've heard his name, but don't really know much about him, but like someone who's not usually up there. Whereas then you have someone like Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spaeth, Scotty Scheffler, like these guys are constantly up there that they, they have to, they're handicaps and they they're up there on courses that are playing tougher. Right. They their handicaps when you go throughout a year, they gotta be plus high single digits, eight, nine, yeah. ten. I mean, you look at I remember but reading they don't something even keep about handicaps. Like, they don't even no, I mean, frankly, they don't. They don't. I think it's all for like our eyes to kind of compare ourselves to them to see what it would be. Right. But like they were saying the rating at the champion at Kapalua from the back tees, the championship rating was 77.0. And that didn't factor in the slope which clearly is going to be somewhere in the 150s. Yeah. But it also doesn't factor in it's a golf tournament on the PGA Tour so the pins are going to be probably in different spots than the average golfer like you and I if we were going to go to right. Kapalua. They're going to be in tougher play. spots. Right. So it's a whole other world about how good these guys are. Yeah. And again, you just have to kind of, you know, just be in awe of it. How about if that's the case and he's a 10, I'm getting multiple shots on three holes yeah and i'm taking him any day of the week i, no I would too no i would too i mean it's it's sickening 
It, it's just it's sickening. Crazy. I mean, Chris, Chris, to Chris Kirk's credit, I mean, he did just win the, you know, the, I want to say it was the comeback player of the year. He battled some alcoholism, came back, won uh, the yeah, show. PJ I, was Tour. Say, I, I said who, like, he's a nobody, but he's not a nobody. Like he's a nobody um, compared to Xander's Jordan. Exactly. Jason. And, and yes. Honestly, I don't know. I've never heard of the guy in second place and I'm not yeah, going to try to pronounce his name. Ashka, Aksha Bashai. He actually, Something like that, but he—he's another sneaky good <laughs> player, dude. He's a lefty. He's got the broomstick putter, like awkward-looking golf swing. Okay, but he gets the job done. Yeah, I mean, if you're throwing up birdies, you're throwing up birdies. So, yeah, they got an absolute birdie fest. Um, I, I think I saw. Um, uh, who was it? Let me hold on. Let me find it here. This is this is great. Scotty Scheffler was uh, two under and dropped five spots. After his third round. So it's like <laughs> to go under and still lose that much ground is, is pretty crazy. So well, did you see Terrell Hatton, your boy? No, no. He I... fires 62 the other day, right? He fires 62. He hits one chip. I don't know. Not good. Yeah. To his standards. He takes the club and starts beating it into the ground. <laughs> like he's smacking the damn club dead into the ground. Meanwhile, if you check his score at the end of that round, he fires 62 and his <laughs> quotes are like, I just didn't hit the ball. Well today. I just, I, I, no matter what I did, I couldn't hit it close, but I made everything in sight. It was one of those days. And if you look at his score, he shot 62. Oh boy. And that's 10 under. Is it par 72? It's 11. It's a par 73. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sit on that one. Yeah, that's that's silly. That's silliness. Um, yeah. So uh, when we're recording, the fourth round has not started yet. So um, hopefully you got yeah. to sit around. You know, we have a winner. Hopefully you got to sit around. It's it's raining or snowing, depending on where you're listening. Um, on Sunday, turn on some golf. Enjoy enjoy you know nice Hawaii weather and watch a birdie fest because and listen to Kisner. Everybody been great. likes Kisner's yeah, been Kisner's great. Been great. Uh, Kisner's been great. Mike, I know I said it to you off air. I haven't. I've followed along a little bit, but haven't really followed along on TV. Uh, but have seen some people talking about Kiz and how great he is. You, you know he's going to be great because he's just a guy. You, you just hope he's able to have enough filter that he's on air for long enough, right? Because he's a guy that just tells you like it is. He's got all the all the sayings. Um, all the phrases, all the quips, all the all the stuff. He's just a guy that's able to do that. You hope that he's just able to not say something, uh, and uh, like super offensive. That like, nope, in this day and age, you can't say that. He's got he's got great nuggets. He's got yeah. great little nuggets that he tosses in there. I mean, I mean, I know if the audience probably saw the one on Saturday where Jordan has a three footer for birdie, and he just says, frankly, on live, he says, Jordan, just get up there, just tap it in, knock it in, bud. And then Jordan proceeds to lip it out. It's just like, he's got, he's got those relationships with the players that all like him. They respect him. But I also think there's a part of kids too, where I don't think he wants it to be his full-time gig because frankly, he's only 39. He still just made the president's cup team two years ago. Like yeah. the dude still, I think wants to play and play at a high level. But to his point, he made a quote the other day, I guess last week and saying like, I was looking for a trip out to Hawaii for free. This just, this presented a great opportunity for me. <laughs> and he is going to be great at whatever he does decide that he wants to go full-time in the booth. He is going to be great in there. It's uh, it's just, you know, 
does he still have the itch to try to to try to compete? Um, how about this? If he if he has another season like last year, where he doesn't really make anything, he's, he takes some time off because he's he's really struggling. Does he then fold it in? Is it a two year where he's just like, I'm just going to go in the booth and just and just do that? Is that his is that his next thing? Do you think? At forty now, having having struggled for two years, not winning a lot of money. Yeah, I think it's it'll be very it'll be very telling. I don't know if I think if the the ratings come back and people enjoyed what they wanted to hear. I don't know, but I will say this: the problem with the ratings is it's just a, it's such a skewed thing because I'll give you another thing that just came out. They put out in twenty twenty three the most watched live sporting events, the top like however. And I don't know if you saw this article, but the NFL dominated, I think it was 96 or 97 of the top 100 live sports ratings. Do you know what the top one in golf, where it lied? Do you have a guess? I would guess like the Masters or... Right. It was the final round of the Masters that ranked 131st. So clearly, the average person is not watching a golf telecast. They aren't. It's not, it's not a live thing. So for that to be the best thing, 131st in all of yeah. 2023, unfortunately, like this, the channels and networks, they need mm-hmm. someone like Kevin Kisner who could potentially spice things up yeah. to get people to come. It's a good point. And, and I also think they got to temper their expectations, right? If the Masters is going to be 134th, 37th, whatever that's – yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy high. Essential Contracting is a local interior contractor that provides high-quality construction services for interior, residential, and commercial spaces. Their team of experts has years of experience in the industry and is passionate about helping you transform your space into something beautiful and functional. They offer a wide range of services, including renovations, additions, interior design, and remodeling. Essential Contracting is known for their quality craftsmanship, attention to detail, and exceptional customer service. They believe every detail counts as a fundamental piece towards excellence. Essential Contracting is your trusted partner for high-end home improvement and space renovation. They are a fully licensed and insured construction group. If you'd like more information about Essential Contracting, you can visit their Facebook and Instagram pages. Check them out today. Let's move on to something else that's on the interweb here this uh, this week. Let's talk Jersey Jerry. We're a Jersey podcast. Let's talk about Jerseyness. Let's get Jersey Jerry on the podcast. I mean, listen, I think this is another, like, you know, SOS, send out the bat signal. Let's find a way to get Jersey Jerry. Like, this is a Jersey podcast. I can't lie. I've DM'd the guy many, many times. Never opens it up, doesn't look at it. Maybe this is like the bat signal, like, hey, Jersey Jerry, let's talk about yeah. your accomplishment. Yeah. The feet. Accomplishment in getting a hole in one, sure, but the feet, the physical, human feet of strength that he accomplished as well. It's It's got it. Jerry, come on, talk Jersey with us. I mean, I mean this whole thing – took so, on a world of its own. It really did. It, it it 100% did. For 30 I have the stats here, Mike. 37 hours, 
2,627 shots it took him to get a hole in one. He brought in, he brought in like a, a physical therapist. He got an IV drip. He took naps. He got, he slept. 10,000 people watch him sleep at night. On it the took, live stream. How many, what was the final number on attempts it took him? 2,627. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. physically think about, think about that real quick. 2,627 golf swings. Yeah. If you go to the driving range, what do you do? You hit a bucket of balls. That's maybe 30 balls. Yeah. And then if you play golf, maybe it's 90 shots. If you right. play bad, mm-hmm. this dude hit 2,000. Yeah. 600 shots. Yeah. Shots. It uh, wasn't I, like he just put it. Wasn't he no. playing a video game? Dude, my, that's insane. My body would be absolutely broken. I would be you, you just get out the coffin for me. I'd be I'd be a dead man. There's no chance my body could take that many swings. Uh, how think about think about a round of golf that you play. Now, again, not exactly because you might be walking the course, so you get tired from and sore, and you're expanding some energy for four hours of being on your feet. But he's also on his feet, and he's just taking more swings. So think about how sore you are after the round of golf or how tired you might be after the round of golf. And, and again, that's somewhere 70, 80, 90, 100 shots, right? And and people that are worse at golf, I, I tend to know, get sorer because they have to take more shots. It's It's just – and he hit 200 times that. If you play a bad round of golf – Let's say, yeah, so, summer putts. So let's like, let's take our rounds at our cola, right? We got our asses kicked at our cola. Okay. Some of those are putts. So let's take away 20 shots. Let's say for putts, 30, 30, 30 plus. What did I say? Oh yeah. 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 18 30. holes. Yeah. Let's say, but let's, let's be, let's be generous and take away 30 shots. Right. Okay. That gets us to 59 shots for me then. Yeah, and that doesn't and listen. We say fifty nine shots. I still shots. don't break par, by the way. <laughs> right, but we say fifty nine shots. That still counts bunker shots, chips, yeah. pitches. So take those out of the equations because this guy is hitting. He full started swing. These aren't yeah, chips around the green. He's taking full swing. He's hitting. Let's 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 call it. Let's be. Let's just go round numbers and say fifty shots around. We take fifty full swings around. He hit two. Two hundred times more than that, yeah, dude. It's insane. It's, it's crazy. His the, hands must be destroyed. Oh my god! I wonder how many gloves he went through. How he was started he wearing able to two walk? gloves? He started but, wearing two gloves. I, I'd love to know how long it took him to recover after that. Uh, like, I, I, I'm telling you, I would not be able to get out of bed the next day. I would. I, do you see him getting out of bed that day? He like he's cold. It's like it's cold in here, and kind of like shimmies over to the bathroom. <laughs> like he's. Dude, it's, that- it's a real feat that he has. It, it really is. It's super impressive. And again, I, I think for I think if an actual golfer like Mike, I think if you were to do that, even you would be sore afterwards. Bro, are you kidding me? A hundred percent. So like, so two thousand shots. I don't even know if you add up all my rounds throughout the whole year, right? And you take thirty putts off every round that I played. I don't know if I get to 2,627 shots. Yep. Then on top of it, he did it in one sitting. Yep. I did it over a course of 
April when you start posting to November. Yeah. The dude did it in 36 hours. Uh, yeah. I, I. It's insane. So. No wonder why it was the number one trending thing on Twitter. The number one thing, Legend Jerry. And all these people are yeah. tweeting at him from, from J.J. Watt to Kepka to yeah. Pebble Beach because that's where he made the hole-in-one to the PGA Tour. Like, Ricky, everybody's on there. Incredible. This is like a worldwide thing. It really was. It's it really captured everybody by storm. It was it was impressive. And like and to go so YouTube only has 12 hour streams. So to go so like they had to start another live stream. How about it's so impressive that the part-time um like video editor that yeah. was what was on got hired by Barstool full-time. Portnoy <laughs> tweets out he goes, "You have a full-time job now." Yeah. <laughs> Dude, insane. Yeah, how crazy is that? So it was it was wild stuff. Uh, it and it's be... fitting that he makes the hole-in-one on number seven at Pebble Beach. Because the funny thing is, if you knew where he started, he didn't start there. No. He was he just... playing 150-yard par three, hitting five irons, pal. Five yeah. irons. Not even pitching wedges. Yeah. Finally, got to the point they're like, do you think he's got to find a different hole where he can kind of run it up? And then before you know it, he's at, at Pebble Beach. And he makes a hole-in-one at Pebble Beach. Do you see that Pebble Beach puts out a flag and says, congrats on the hold of one? Every, <laughs> it took on a whole world of its own. It really I, did. Dude, it was amazing. It was fo so funny to watch from afar because he is the ultimate character. He and the fact really that is a, a character. The I, fact that he's a Jersey guy, there's got to be a way that Jersey Jerry comes on the Jersey podcast. There has to be some way, somehow, something. There's got to be someone in this internet world that – has a connection that listens to this, that sees it, that says, Jersey Jerry, you got to go on the podcast. I don't care if it's for fucking five seconds. We got to get him on here to talk about that. Yeah, that would be, it would be great. It, it was, uh, no other words to describe it. An absolute feat of, of, of humanity is what it was. It was, it was incredible. It really, it really was. So let me ask you, Mike, does Jersey Jerry have a hole in one now? No, no, <laughs> but, but it's great content. It is. It's great content. It is. And for, and for a company like Barstool Sports that puts out tons of content and it's, I know a lot of us love it. Some of us may not like it, but I, I enjoy it. I think it's kind of funny. I think the yeah. whole nine, I don't, you know, I don't think it has ill intent like some people do. I kind of, I enjoy it. Yeah. But it, if you're asking me, does it count as a hold in one? I know Jersey Jerry's going to say yes, <laughs> but. I'm definitely a thousand percent. No ifs, ands, or buts. You're not changing my opinion. The answer is no. So it, it's tough for me to. It, it's tough to say yes that it's a hole in one because you're shooting multiple shots at the same hole, right? Like if you if you're playing real golf and you hit one into the woods and you hit it again, like you tee up again and get a hole in one. It's supposed to be a three. So to me, that's 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 where it is. That's that's where it's not a hole in one. It's a great feat. It's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. But it's not a hole in one. Because again, he had so many opportunities. And my next question, or, or like another kind of you know, side note to it, does a hole in one in a simulator count? No. If you and I go and we play no. Pebble no. Beach, no, no. second no. swings. No, okay. and no. I mean, let's be honest. You make a hole in one on a simulator, right? Your first ever hole in one. Yeah. You're counting that? No. Oh, okay. Right. I'm so not. Sorry. I mean, for anybody that would say yes, I... 
But I also think that you and I are are like I, I think I know people that would because they don't they're not traditional you're a high level golfer, right? And and uh, like Yeah, but I don't <laughs> care if I'm a low level golfer. Right. If but I, I, shoot- I think there's people that I think there's people out there that would be like, I just knock it around and, and like they they play occasionally, you know, twice three times a year maybe and they're they go to the simulator because it's fun to to fun to have drinks there fun to have some food there fun to party there fun to just knock the ball around for all of those reasons right all the reasons that simulators are good for like groups of people there's going to be someone that out there that's not a that's not a golfer that's going to count that as a hole in one okay so here's what i'm going to do tomorrow january what 11th is that tomorrow that's that the date right january 11th yeah tomorrow yeah. i'm going to put out a poll and I'm going to put a picture of Jersey Jerry, the hole-in-one. I'm going to tag him in it because I want him to hopefully come across this somehow, some way, so he hops on. And I'm going to put a poll question out there. Does the hole-in-one on a simulator count, yes or no? And I'm going to see what the poll is, and we come back next week. We're going to talk, chat about that, too, because yeah. maybe at that point I can get Jersey Jerry to hop on here so he can justify why he is going to probably count that as his first oh. ever hole-in-one. Yeah, he's he's quite a cat. I'd love to know his story because I feel like I just heard about him maybe a couple weeks before the four play guys did the corn ferry tour, and he was caddying for the for guys out there. But I feel like he just kind of popped on the scene fairly recently in like the barstool universe. Uh, again, I, I really just focus more on like the four play guys, not let's say all of uh, barstool, but. Maybe he's been around for a while. I just haven't seen him, but so the but really the honestly, absolute the, character is is a hundred percent what he is. You know, he, to, him and him and Robbie Berger, Bob does sports. Yeah, they were tight. Those two started out together. Oh, and and the backstory is like Bob decided to go do his own thing, and him and Jersey Jerry were still tight at the time, and then Jersey Jerry found his way over to Barstool. But I know there's more to the story because I've read things about it, but those two, there's like beef there. There's big beef there. There was beef with someone above them because they basically told Robbie Berger, like, you're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. And him and Jersey Jerry were like, no, we're going to. And before you know it again, no offense. You want to talk about Robbie Berger? Like he's another Jersey guy. He's a new Jersey guy. Like let's get his ass on a podcast too with Jersey Jerry. And we can tell a story. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, That'd be phenomenal. <laughs> Hello, world. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was a couple questions I had about the whole hole in one situation. I, I felt like I knew your answers, but but yeah, let us know if you guys think that that Jersey Jerry should count it. If you think he shouldn't count it, does a simulator hole in one count? Let us uh, let us know. All right, Mike, that's a wrap. All right. Uh, we're going to send it now to Barnes Blake. Uh, our interview we did with Barnes, again, Barnes, a freshman at Georgetown, um, had a pretty good freshman year, freshman fall. We'll see how his uh, – he's got big things coming for his spring season coming up here. So, um, uh, again, course record holder at Echo Lake and at Baltusrol. So those are two pretty pretty good courses in New Jersey to have course records at. Uh so stick around. He's going to tell those stories and and uh, and some more. So here's our interview with Barnes Blake. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. Quick little pump fake there. Uh, Mike and I wanted to jump on, and it is 
uh, Monday, and we are throwing this out to you that the news just broke that Tiger Woods is leaving Nike. Uh, that's huge. Uh, you know, we had finished our recording. Again, we already sent you to Blake, but this is important stuff, and and we needed to get it out to you. But it's official. Like we've talked about uh, or speculated in December, that contract was ending. Uh, we saw Charlie wearing the Grayson gear, so maybe there's something there. But officially, Tiger Woods done with Nike. No more red with the swoosh logo walking down 18 at the Masters in the black pants. Um, we got speculations, but again, I'm sure that'll come out at another time. But this is huge news. This is this is this is as big as news can get as far as an athlete and their clothing company. I mean, no, who's bigger than, than Tiger Woods in the sports world right now? And who's Ronaldo, bigger than Nike? Messi, who's bigger right? than Nike? And who's, right. So you you're have... talking about the number one golfer with the number one apparel company. And somehow, some way after 27 years, things just don't work out. Seems a lot. Seems like there's a lot of questions that need to be answered because that's a very bizarre way for a guy who looks very good, who's talking about making a serious return, for them now all of a sudden to stay with him through all these transgressions, his injuries, his problems, his issues, and now that he's looking to come back and play and play kind of like for what we think is a full schedule for him, to now dump him? Right, he said once a month. Seems, and, and, and in, his, in his piece there on and, and Twitter, it says like, you know, more to come in L.A., which is hinting that he's going to play in Genesis at his tournament at Riviera in mid-February. And you got to think at that moment, you'll see him wearing something. I don't know if the Sunday Red is out. It may be a different brand. I don't know if you – I think the Sunday Red will still be worn. I think it will have a right. different logo on it um, because I think that he's is not infamous. Leaving that. No, that's yeah. that's Tiger. He'll wear that. But I, I, I – listen, I know I've said this so many damn times. The dude is going to win in Augusta in April. That's on repeat. You can you can take that to the <laughs> bank. And I know I put out a little thing out yesterday about what we talked about in December 20th on that podcast about Tiger when he was at PNC and like, hey, listen, rumors circulating that it's Grayson. Listen, the rumor mill's hot. <laughs> and no one's been a bigger advocate for Grayson than yours truly. No. So very true. if Tiger wants to take me along for the ride over to Grayson, my hands up, <laughs> my hands up. Uh, so obviously more to come. I mean, we're going to see what comes out this week, but uh, Mike and I didn't feel right. Not putting out something quick uh, again, just the news breaking is, is huge. So um, maybe even there's something that comes out between now and when the podcast drops, Mike, but uh, we are going to talk about it more next week. Um, on the episode that'll be the 17th, um, it'll be a big topic of discussion. But we did just want to throw it, uh, throw you a little PSA again, uh, in case you're not on the internet or not in on Instagram or Twitter or, or under a rock, under a rock, right? Um, the 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 logos, <laughs> the memes were wild of Tiger Woods in a red, you know, the red mock neck that said. Kirkland on it is, is I saw like, Barstool Sports had one out yeah. put that, everybody They're, at it because hey 
throw your hat in the ring and who the hell knows? I was about to put him in a drop podcast shirt. I was just, I'll tell you what, I think we got some, I think we got some Photoshopping to do ourselves. So, um, so again, just a quick PSA again, we, I know we sent you to Barnes, um, and that, and our interview, but we wanted to, we wanted to throw this in and, um, sorry for the pump fake, but again, when big news is breaking, we're going to, we're going to drop something. So, um, so again, more to come next episode, but, uh, needed to at least mention that to you. So now, without further ado, here's our interview with Barnes Blake. Enjoy. Comstock Yacht Sales has been the Jersey Shore's number one boat dealer since 1973. Did you know that Comstock now has two on-water sales locations to better serve the boaters across New Jersey? Their full-service marina is located at 704 Princeton Avenue in Brick, and their all-new sales location can be found at Navisink Marina in Seabright. Comstock currently carries some of the best boat brands manufactured today. The team at Comstock is proud to be New Jersey dealers for Regulator Center Consoles, Grady White Boats, Tiara Yachts, Seapro, Four Winds, and MGM Yachts. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned boat, or you're looking for help selling your current boat, Comstock Yacht Sales is the place to go. Go online to see their full new boat lineup or stop into one of their two locations today. They can be found at ComstockMarina.com. That's ComstockMarina.com. Or for immediate sales assistance, text them now at 732-604-1237. That's 732-604-1237. So today's guest is, uh, I, Rye, I keep saying this, I, you know, we ended 2023 with an unbelievable episode. Last week we had the MGA Player of the Year and Marcus Stanza, and we're just continuing that theme right now into January as we have this year's MGA Junior Player of the Year, Barnes Blake. Barnes, thanks so much for coming on today's show. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Listen, I... I you have been a guy that obviously I handle a lot of the social media side. And, you know, when we were on like a little college player kick here in New Jersey in the summer, we had Cole Eckert on, we had Colin Summers on, you know, we had a bunch of guys on the show and, you know, you were a guy that, you know, obviously schedules were hectic and we couldn't find time, but, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to get a guy like you on, especially after a, a year you had, but before we get into all that, because I, there's so much I want to dive into you, into with you. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of a background about yourself? Obviously, being a New Jersey guy through and through, you know, how'd you grow up playing the game? Um, and give us a little bit of a background about you. Yeah, so I, I got into golf because it's kind of been in my family. My dad's a big golfer. My uncle's a big golfer. It's, and so we actually ended up, was I was born in Greenwich, Connecticut, lived there until about third grade and then moved to New Jersey. And so it kind of started, our family would go down to Florida every year and I would always see my dad, my uncle, my grandfather, they're always going to play golf. I'm like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So we would go to a range at Spring Run in Bonita Springs and it was an aqua, aqua range. So you just kind of hit floaters out into the water and I just picked up a club and kind of fell in love with the game ever since. Yeah, I mean... You know what? I think, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that high school team that you were on at Westfield, if not for COVID, may have gone down in history as one of the best 
high school golf teams in New Jersey ever. I mean, the names that Colin was sharing with us that day, just reminisced with Ryan and I being two high school golf coaches, like, wow, that team was unreal. Yeah, that one, we were really looking forward to having that season. So it was really unfortunate to see that one come to an end. Yeah, with um, with Colin Summers, Nick Conti, Jason Lee, the four of us would have been, that would have been awesome to see. But, you know, we'll, we'll never know. And we, uh, I think we did a good job the following year coming up and still winning the Tournament of Champions. And uh, But, yeah, it, it would have been awesome to see. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, listen, when, when Colin was sharing those names that day, I was mind blown because I guess I didn't realize that you all were together. Um, so I thought that was like an unreal. It's like the dream team to some extent for people that are really heavily involved with New Jersey golf, especially in the high school level. Like I thought that was incredible. Um, but let, let's get into this past summer and this past season because obviously – you, I probably had some high expectations going to the summer. You know, after Westfield going to Georgetown, you know, that was kind of taken care of. What were your thoughts going into the season before we get into all the results? So, I mean, seeing two MGA events at my home courses, they had definitely put a lot of expectation on my shoulder. I felt like no these, were, these were two yeah. that no, I really, really Yeah. Yeah, so I, I felt like I had to really play well and, you know, give these chance these tournaments a run because I mean the Met the Met Junior, I uh I haven't been able to uh make it to the finals yet. I've only ever won actually in all of match play before, I've only ever won one match and lost the next one. So never made it past the second round. So I, you know, obviously I really wanted to make a run there. And then also the Carter Cup kind of came close to uh to winning last year, but uh, Cameron B saw just, he played some uh, better golf than I did in that uh, final 18 and he ultimately uh, ended up winning. So both of those, there was uh, kind of a little chip on my shoulder and really wanted to play well in those events. Yeah. I mean, yeah, listen, I, 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 rise is it echoing on, on your end? It, 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 I just texted you. There's a bad echo, right? I'm I'm uh, hearing an echo. Are you? Yes. Yeah. Barnes, do you hear an echo? I don't know. Is it on my end then? I actually don't hear an echo when you talk, Barnes, but I hear an echo when Mike and I talk. Yeah, me too. Let's. Can we do this? Uh, uh, let's. End, I'm going to stop this. So Barnes, before I kind of get into the Met Junior at Echo Lake and the Carter Cup at Baltusrol, you know, for the audience, like, those are your two home courses. And I think playing in front of friends and family at your home course that know and see you but almost probably every day, like, that, that had to be a challenge. But before I even get to that aspect of it, let's talk about Georgetown here a little bit. Because, obviously, I don't see or know college golf well enough. And I always hear that, the further south you go, the better the golf is. That's what we hear. What drew someone like you with an amazing resume to Georgetown? Mine is the education. So first, well, yeah, I, I get that. No, I get that too. And I get Washington, D.C. because I'm sure we all know the golf there is phenomenal too. So, like, I understand that. But I guess 
you always hear the Oklahomas or you hear the, the you know, Florida, Florida Texas Tech, yeah. yeah, Arizona states. Like, I, I guess I don't hear Georgetown. So I'm kind of curious from an outsider's perspective, why Georgetown? Yeah, so, I mean, I had my visit there and just kind of immediately fell in love with the school. And I, uh, you know, I wanted to have a good backup in case if, if I don't decide to go play professionally or if I try to and don't end up making the PGA Tour. I wanted, I knew I wanted to do something within the business world and they have a fantastic business school and I offer all the classes that I was looking for. And then also the team, I, the team is incredible. They're 10 of their all 10 of them or well, so nine others, they're, they're all my best friends. I'd take a bullet for every one of them. And it was a place where I could go and make a difference immediately. So like if I had gone to like an Oklahoma state, I may not be cracking the lineup for the first couple of years. So I could go to Georgetown and immediately make a difference for the team. And then also uh, golf's a great sport because you don't have to go to a top program to play professionally. Like look at James Nicholas, coming out of Yale. He's playing, he's playing really good golf really out of Yale, which is not, not like in Oklahoma state. Yeah. So Barnes, obviously I, I felt like it had to probably be more of a mature answer. You know, obviously hearing you thinking long-term and big picture, you know, most kids your age don't think that way. They, they probably are narrow minded and, and one way street, as I like to say, in terms of PGA tour, PGA tour, PGA tour, you know, you have a, what seems to be like a different head on your shoulder. So obviously, you know, that would make a lot more sense as to why Georgetown gets sued in there. And to your point, listen, James is another great example because he's a guy that we've literally played DM tag on Instagram, trying to get him on back and forth, but because everybody's schedule is insane. But that is, that's a great example about you don't need to go on one specific path to make it where you want to go. So um, now that's cool. I, listen, I like the Hoyas. I'm and a big Georgetown guy. Big East basketball, baby. Big East, baby. I, I like that. I don't know if I, – I, I feel like kids your age, and I hate that I just phrased it like that, but, I mean, you are a college yeah. kid, and Mike and I are no longer in college. Uh, they don't – they – that is like a lost uh, part of it. Like sometimes kids are like, I want to go here, and that's where I want to go. I don't care if I don't play right away. I just – I want that – you know, if you think like basketball, right? I want to play Division One basketball. Whereas if you go Division Two, you might play right away. Division One, you're going to sit behind somebody for two, three years, and then play your senior year, maybe. And and I think that gets lost a lot of the time. And and I think that's great that you recognize, like, yeah, that's what's important to me. I want to play right away. I want to contribute right away. Um, I want to be the guy that not just a not just like a, a bench guy or not just a, a back of the you know bench for basketball, but like not just a back half guy. So that's again, as Mike says, I think it's a super mature decision for yeah, a lot of reasons. I like I like yeah. it. I like that decision. You know, because I think at the end of the day, what we all want to play. We all want to play. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of like fine tuning your craft is the more that you're out there and you're like kind of like in the the arena, the the better off I think things are long-term and I think that's I think I like that decision um yeah but let's exactly. get into like, what, let's get into the med go ahead yeah like no, that's go, what go. I was thinking like I feel like the best way for me personally to get better is just to be out there competing with the best and that Georgetown provided me the opportunity to to do that immediately like just this what's your whole course fall. out there so we play at Woodmont Country Club it's a 36 old facility 
it's they're awesome to us they uh they give us access pretty much whenever we want it and uh we actually just hosted our event there in our invitational event and it was uh i think florida ended up winning that event but they uh it was it was in great shape for it and all the teams love playing it yeah that's great i mean so let's let's get into the summer because obviously i think the summer was a huge probably catalyst in terms of your confidence going to Georgetown and, and getting ready to just basically tee it up with the best of the best. But you start the Met Junior at Echo Lake. Again, home course, you feel really good, and you go out there and you fire a 62 opening round of, of, of stroke play. Like, Ryan and I don't even know what 62 looks like, maybe through, like, I don't know, 15 holes. Nine but to holes, let it alone... Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Well, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but let alone for 18 holes in that first round, you go out there and you fire 62, which if I read correctly, is it a course record? It is. Yes. It is. Yeah. And then you, but I guess on the flip side, you go to the second round and you fire 75. Now, most kids, and I, again, like Ryan says, I reference you as a kid because I'm 40 years old and got gray hair, but like, What's the mindset after you go 62-75? Are you like, at one moment, you're like ready to throw a party, and the next minute, you're probably ready to break the clubs? Or yeah, you're not well, like crazy like me? <laughs> well, I mean, the second round <laughs> was... <to> be true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I made like a big number on the fifth hole. It was like eight, eight or nine. It was, it was uh, that, that's where most of the round went. Um, you know, I hooked my drive left and tried to hit some shots that I couldn't should have just taken on a playable and walked away with five or six, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a learning moment, but, and luckily it didn't end up, uh, meaning a whole lot, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, after shooting 62, I was like, all right, like, let's see how low we can take it. And, uh, unfortunately that kind of came early in the round, which kind of set me back, but you know, I just hung in there and played good golf. And it did, didn't really knock off any of my confidence because I saw so many good shots in the morning. Yeah. I mean, again, guys like us, the names are recognizable um, in terms of like who's there playing. But, you know, I think when you win that first round match, we always say this to a lot of the guests. Obviously, we just had Marcus Sands on. And we say it all the time. Like the goal is really just to get to match play because once you get to match play, really anything can happen. Like, it doesn't matter if you're the 16 or the one. If you're playing well enough, you can still win that. It's not really, quote, an upset. And obviously that first match for you, was it a little more nerve-wracking in a sense? And I don't want to say more so than maybe the finals against Liam, but, like, winning one up in the first match, is it kind of like, God, I just got to get this one. I got to win the first one so I can keep this train going downhill. Yeah, so, I mean, that that match, yeah, that was that was definitely one of the harder matches I played that week. It was, uh, you know, I was one down going on to 16, and we both hit our approach shots onto the green, and we're about to putt out, and then they, they uh, blow the siren. So we end up going back to the clubhouse, are in there for like two hours. Oh, my God. We come back out. Yeah, I end up... I end up winning that hole to get it back to even, but like, I mean, 
yeah, uh, I was, it was not, it was not one of the most fun uh, weather delays I've had knowing that I'm one down with three holes to play and at my home club. But uh, so yeah, that one. And then I ended up winning. Yeah. I won 16 and then I think I won 17 and then we just tied 18 and then, uh, but yeah, that one, that one was a little nerve wracking for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, you know, obviously I, I checked the results and I, and I didn't remember exactly, but I do remember like that first match being the tightest one of all of them. And, and not to say that the other guys that you were playing were maybe better than, than your first round opponent, but it seemed to like give you that extra boost of confidence. Like, Hey, listen, I know I'm at my home course and I know that there's added pressure, but on the flip side, like I do also know the golf course and I know the ins and outs of where to miss it, how to miss it, the breaks and things like that on the golf course, because, you know, obviously I know that, you know, you and Liam are, are, are friendly in terms of playing competitive golf against each other. You know, like what was that final like for you playing a friend like him? Yeah. I mean, Liam and I were really close friends. Like I was literally like texting him like an hour ago, but yeah, it was, it was really weird because it was like on the first tee, we we're like, all right, good luck. And then we just like maybe said five words to each other the entire round. It was just like, we're like best friends, but we want to beat, uh, beat every each other like really badly. So mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was definitely really weird to see each other in, uh, in that, uh, that kind of setting, because normally we just play like friendly matches and, but yeah, to have something that meaningful on the line, we were both uh, kind of really locked in and didn't really want to talk a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting juxtaposition to what we had last week on, on the podcast. We had Mark Costanza on, and he was talking about um, his his uh, the MGA final with uh, Brad Tilly that he won. And they're very close. They taught, you know, he was saying, he's like, just last week, they went to a Ranger game to, you know, they met at the Ranger game, had some beers. And it's funny that like their friends, and I had asked them a similar question, like, what is it like for you guys out there? You want to win this tournament. You're in the, you know, you're in a playoff together. Are you, are you not talking to each other or what? And they're like, no, it was just like a regular round for us. Now to hear you talk about it, it's like, we said hi. And then was like, no, I'm, I'm locked in and loaded. It's just, it's funny, different personalities there. Yeah, it's uh, it yeah. Could it was, be the age. You're a college kid, you know, be, young yeah. and young and fiery, and they're in their you know late thirties, early thirties, wherever they are, and and they're like, yeah, just we're just out here having fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean that I, I seeing you win that at home, I you know I kind of thought that was like a nice a nice notch in the belt to kind of like continue the theme of like. Let's see how good this summer can go because it kind of leads into the Carter Cup. And again, for the audience that doesn't know, it's another big-time MGA Junior event. Um, and the MGA does a phenomenal job in terms of the host golf courses. It, it always finds a way to get what I always deem the cream of the crop, especially here in New Jersey when they start to dabble in here, that you're, you're playing the nicest spots here. Which sure. again, now you're playing the Carter Cup at another course that you is considered a home golf course at Baltusrol, and you know Ryan and I always say like, man, that place looks amazing. And then for you to have another, what I like to deem a major junior golf tournament at a home course, again, the numbers there are stupid good. I mean, 
you win by eight shots. It's really not even close. It's not even close. And to make another or to give another X, you know, uh, an exclamation mark on the season, you finish with 64 in the final round. Another what I think, if I read correctly, was a course record. It, uh, it, it tied the course record since it was redone. Yeah. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, because going 11 under in two rounds is an accomplishment in itself. And then you want to put the asterisk of, oh, it's in a tournament. Oh, it's in an MGA major, more or less. Oh, and it's at Baltistraw. Like, what does that mean to someone like you? Do you, does that sometimes do you do? You, are you able to reflect and be like, "Holy hell!" Like, dude, I I really like I like to say like golf my golf ball that day. Yeah. So like, in all honesty, like when I was out there, I was like, I don't know, I was just playing golf, you know, just trying to get the ball in the hole as quickly as I could. And uh, but yeah, I didn't really set in until I thought about it afterwards. But but it was actually really cool to see. It was like when I shot 62 at Echo and when I shot 64 at Baltusrol, I did it like two completely opposite ways. Like when I was at Echo, it was just like my irons and wedge play like couldn't miss. I probably had five or six tap in birdies. But whereas at Baltusrol, like my my wedge play was not very good at all. Like I I just happened to make like everything inside 30 feet that I looked at and even a couple longer, but yeah, it was, it was just really weird to see like how I would set those two course records, like totally differently. And like, I don't think I could have done either. Like I couldn't shoot those scores if it wasn't in a competition, but like, I, I kind of like need that competition and it makes me better in a sense. I, I don't even know how to explain it, it's, but like, I've never even gotten close to 62 at Echo. It's like my lowest there is like 66 and I've done it like twice. And like at Baltusrol on the lower is like 67, like not really close to 64 either. And then I just happened to do it both in tournaments in this within like a month. Uh, listen, when you were, when you were like streaking more or less with this golf play, like I'm just watching from afar, and I and I probably bombarded you with DMs like, hey, listen, you want to just come on right now? I mean, this is, like, insane. Like, you're red hot. You're scorching. You know, I was like, maybe maybe it'll help my golf game by talking to this guy about how he can get me to start shooting lower scores. But, I mean, like, do you realize, like, the history? Like, obviously, I, I can probably nerd out about things like this, but, like, the names that have won the Carter Cup, have you ever like dove deep into some of those names? Like, are or are you a guy that hey, listen, I'm teeing it up. I just expect to win, and the history, the traditional side of it is kind of like you know comes and goes. Yeah, no, I, I like the history a lot. I like to kind of dive in, and uh, you know, it means a lot more now now that I'm a part of that collection. You know, I, I um, you know, always known that. Carter Cups, extremely prestigious and some incredible names on there. But, you know, once I once I won and really looked, took a look at the trophy, it kind of set in on how, uh, how meaningful it was. I mean, we're talking Morgan Hoffman. Like, when we had Morgan on, like, what a laid-back, awesome dude, overcame so much. And as I'm scrolling through it, then you see Cameron Young. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just, just Cameron Young, you know, like, just PGA Tour superstar, like, and then your name is etched in with those, you know, I, I, maybe as I'm the old guy here in the room and I'm just sitting here reminiscing, but like, 
there's going to come a point in your life when you're like, holy hell, my name is etched with some really big names. And I, and I like to think that, like, hey, listen, maybe the Morgan Hoffman story about how, you know, he's a very good golfer, goes on to, you know, unfortunately come up with some circumstances, but now he's re, re-getting at it. He's, he's going back at it. And then Cameron Young is on the tour. Like, is that kind of where you see things for you as you move forward here? I mean, it, it's hard to say. I still have three and a half years left of college. But is it a dream? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a dream. I would, I would love to do that. I'd love to make the PGA Tour play professionally. But, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like there is potential in my game to possibly do it. It's just I, I, I feel like it's too a little bit too early to kind of make the call either way. I, I want to see how my game develops a little bit more, and you know, make the decision a couple of years down the road. He's so wise. He really Mark, is. It's, Mark, it's, how well, old are you? Right. Mark, how old are you? I want to see his birth certificate now. I'm 19, 40, I'm four years old. He's way more mature than I am. He's like, I'm going to take it day by day. I'm, I'm trying to sit here to poke him, to get him to say, yeah, dude, I expect to be on a PGA Tour and win. And he's like, you know what? Meanwhile, I'm thinking in my head, if I'm him, to the moon, but I, I but, no see. I, I think, like that about. I think Barnes has got this silent assassin about him. I, I think he's thinking that you're saying the right things, but like think in the back of your head, like yeah, as my game develops, you know, we'll see how it goes. And in the back of the mind, he's like, my game is developing because I'm going to work fucking harder than everybody else. Yeah. I, I totally <laughs> can see that. Well, I, yeah. I do. Again, it's it's a super mature. It's funny that Mike and I are both thinking the same thing. It's really a super mature way to to think about your future and and you've definitely thought a lot about your future and, and again you got such a great head on your shoulders it's really pretty really pretty amazing to see and again another guy that we've said how many guys have we had that are in college that we've said that about it's just something about the golf game that just uh, something about yeah. golfers i guess that just it, it is it, it it's crazy and i and i can't lie i i haven't done a ton of of research in terms of how college has started for you you know i, I think i saw your first tournament um, you know, you didn't play poorly, but I, again, I, I don't know what expectations or goals that guys like you set, you know, when you tell me like, I, you know, I just shot 66 or 67, you may look at that as like terrible and I'm, and I'm ready to throw a party on my whole block. Um, so like, what are, what are like, are what, how has the season in the, in the fall, how to go? And then what are some things as you look ahead to the spring season? that you're excited for? Yeah. So, I mean, I had a couple decent tournaments, a couple not so great ones, you know, n- nothing, I didn't really like the world on fire this fall, but uh, you know, it was kind of getting there, kind of adapting to things. Felt like there was, there was still a lot of good in the season. Wasn't nearly as good as my summer, but uh, you know, I feel like come the spring semester, I'll be, you know, fully acquainted with kind of the transition to college and, you know, I'll, and I believe my game's going to be in a better place in the spring than it was this year, even, even over the summer. And, you know, hopefully I can uh, play a little bit better in the spring as well. Yeah. There's probably no doubt that that transition period of going from high school to college and getting acclimated with a, with a college life more or less is, is a little difficult at times. And there's added pressure because it's a lot of unknown. Um, but, you know, when I peeked at some of the scores, I, I didn't think, again, for me, they were fucking terrible at all. But, you know, obviously, you know, it's a different world for you and I. But, 
you know, and I, and I do agree with you. I think as you become a little more comfortable and have a better understanding about how things will go, you know, I, I obviously, I, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for a guy like you and, and what your potential is because, you know, Ryan and I say this all the time about like this podcast specifically, we're trying to highlight all the good that is golfing in the Garden State. And to, and to our eyes, like you're just another one of the, just another piece to that puzzle of like, showing off how good things are here at home um so uh, you know we're, we're we're excited to watch from afar but i will say this because we do get a lot of questions from guys like you high school kids or someone will say things like oh i wonder how hard he practices or i wonder what a normal day is like for him or how does how do you get to that level like what would you say to a high school kid who who grinds who practices who works hard like, what's something that he can take from Barnes Blake to take his game maybe to the next level? I mean, during the summer, it's pretty much all I do. It's, you know, get to the course nine, ten o'clock and stay there until six o'clock. You know, it's not necessarily playing every day. You know, some days I'll go and just hit and, uh, you know, short game and punting. Like, personally, I'm not a guy who loves to sit there and just beat balls. Like, i that's just kind of not how I like to practice. I feel like I don't get a whole lot out of it. It just kind of becomes mindless. So I personally, I like to play. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to play. Uh, so like my kind of, I guess my, uh, how I divide my time would probably be a little bit different than some of the other uh, kids in my uh, kind of uh, like, uh, kind of some of my competitors they yeah yeah exactly yep so yeah i i probably play at least 18 holes five days a week and if i'm not playing i'll I'll take one day off and then i'm also in the gym during the season like two to three days a week and then in the off season for four days a week and they're they're long in the off season like two hours just kind of trying to put on as much muscle to build speed and because because that's a huge part of it too building stability and being able to uh you know that'll help your swing but then also for like take the met junior for example it's 36 holes for three days straight like you you have to be pretty fit to be able to uh to kind of endure all that and still play uh really high quality golf yeah that that muscle memory muscle endurance is is super valuable especially you project out to like the pros that play four days in a row like it's it's a grind on your body and making sure your body is right is is definitely super important for you yeah for sure it's um you know it's it's something that's you know kind of it's it's newer to the game of golf like 30 years ago like there wasn't a whole lot of gym work but you know now that the game's modernizing and it's it's a huge part so the i mean you just have to hit the ball farther and you know, become really fit and to, to compete at the highest level. How far do you hit your driver? 315. It's like about a driver and sandwich for me. It's like, <laughs> I was going to say, that's <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm, no. at, I'm at Barnes and two. <laughs> uh, Barnes. So, you know, I, and I'm, I'm excited to watch, like I said, I, I am. And, and one of the questions that we kind of like, end with in a lot of ways is we all like to ask for the first time when guests come on, we kind of like to throw these little questions out there. And 
we don't like to little like to give them out unless you've listened and you kind of will have an idea. But for the audience, if they were invited to go play one private spot and one public spot in New Jersey specifically, okay? Now, we kind of exclude your home courses. So you can't say Balti or you can't say Echo Lake if someone got invited because there's some bias there. And Pine Valley, for most people, is a reach to even think about. But outside of those, if someone was invited to that private spot or they had the opportunity to go play this public public spot in New Jersey, do you have one? Somerset Hills. That's, Why? It's probably my favorite course in New Jersey. It's, uh, I don't know, something about it. It's just, it's awesome. Like, it's, uh, you know, the, the clubhouse, it's like, it's all on the older side. It's smaller. It's It's just like you just can walk out and you just go play and it's, there's no real, you don't really take carts there. It's, you just kind of, you kind of walk out, take a caddy or just carry your bag. And it, it's, uh, it's really cool. The aesthetics too. It's got so much fescue everywhere and it's just a great design. It's, it's the back nine is just incredible there. It's probably, it's, you, you just have so much fun playing the course. Uh, yeah, like I, I could play that course every day for the rest of my life and not get bored of it. That's, that's like one of those places you say, like, you just walk out, you start playing, you don't really take cards, you kind of walk. Sometimes those those places that brings, like, that old school factor of, like, this is how golf was created, right? This is how it was meant to be played. They they made golf without golf cards. This is, like, almost like like back to the original. That's it's kind of a cool feeling to have a place like that. that there's not many exactly. places. Yeah, that's, that's the exact feeling you get. And, like, on the first hole, right along the right side, there's an apple orchard there, so you can pick apples off the trees. It's and uh, eat it's them, pretty right? cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've read that story. You know, I, I, yeah. If I if I remember correctly too, they're doing some renovating to some of the holes there, or one of the nines. Uh, I'm, I'm not they're sure. Doing, I, they're doing some work. I, I okay. I'm pretty sure yeah. I, because. You know, I, I, that's a spot for us that, like, you know, it's a dream, a bucket list spot, and we've kind of talked it, but I do think that they were doing some work there. Um, but I have read the story about the apple tree, about legitimately you can grab the apple, eat the apple, and continue to keep on walking, which is amazing yeah. in yeah, so many ways. It's really about cool. It's um, awesome. What about a public golf course? I mean, I get it. Ooh. I get it, and I don't want to say, like, I'm, if I'm you, I'm never playing anywhere but Balti and Echo Lake. Ever. You couldn't you couldn't get me off those two. Even if you even if you offered me, I'm gonna pay your way, buy you lunch, drive you there, chauffeur your like you're not getting my rear end off Balti or Echo Lake. But do you, do you, was there somewhere or is there somewhere for you? I'm trying to think. Um, you know, if I had to pick one Probably, uh, you know, Seaview is really cool. The uh, is it Bay Course, the one that's out on the water. That's yep. that's a really cool spot. I like that one a lot. It's uh, actually haven't played. In, it's um, it's probably been six years since I've played it. But yeah, I, I played a hurricane event there two years in a row, and it's a really cool spot. I mean, it was it was driving rain and freezing cold in like March when I played in them, but uh <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really cool uh it's a really cool course. That's your spot, Ryan. It is. Yeah, it's a, it's Ryan's... a great spot there. Yeah. 
I play terribly, but I do like it there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've played there a couple of times, and every time we go, he's excited to go. And then we start playing, and he is miserable because he, he just he can't score well there. And I'm like, well, you wanted to come play here. <laughs> the greens are too tight. I don't hit any greens. I can't spin the ball to make it stop on them. It's <laughs> it just it does not suit my game. I need I need like a field that has a hole in it where I can hit it wherever. That's what I need. And that's not that there. So <laughs> um, Barnes, I think, uh, you know, one of the another question that we end with usually is is. Golfers are rather quirky by nature, as I like to say. We, we're all very, like, superstitious between, like, how many times we waggle the club and, you know, kind of how we address the ball. Everyone's got – and those are, those are like, habits, right? But, but you, they can borderline on quirks or superstitions. As, as someone playing at such a high level like you are, when you're getting ready for a tournament or some competition, what are some of your superstitions, habits, quirks, whatever you want to call them, that you have that might that that might be real for you, but others would be like that's that's a, a little on the strange side. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to think about this one. I don't, I don't know that. I mean, uh, can I? I'll give you an example. Uh, yeah, give me right? some so examples. Like, so, like people talk about like the amount of tees they have in one pocket. They need uh, like we had one guy talk. He needs he needs uh, three tees, two tall and one short. He has his glove in his back left pocket, like to the point where he won't buy pants if they don't have a back left pocket. Um, don't a, tie shoes until the don't first tee box. Until like tie them up. Now it's time to go, kind of thing. So like quarters are there, a specific year. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, there's one ball marker that I always have in my pocket. So I, I guess you could consider that. I mean, one thing, I don't know if it's a quirk, but I mean, I, uh, I take a lot of heat for it is, but I play with my phone in my left pocket, which I didn't realize how big of a, uh, I don't know. The golf community didn't, didn't seem to like that. I got a couple of comments on uh, one of the posts by the MGA. They're like, what's this kid doing playing with a uh, phone in his pocket? Like, I, I guess most people put it in their bag. I just like put it on do not disturb and leave it in my pocket. So, I mean, I guess that could be considered a quirk, but do yeah, you do like that in college far- too. I do. Yep. Wow, that is. A, I like see like that is. That's one for sure. That is that's one. one. That is one, and I and that is a new one. Now hold on, hold on. The phone I in the think back left one. pocket. No, he said front left pocket. Front no. front left pocket. Front yeah, left front pocket? left pocket. Yeah. Oh so my if god! You were, if you I'm were to take back. it out, if you were to take it out, do you feel off? Yeah, I think it would like feel I'm weird because well, there, yeah. So like, I yeah. I mean, there'd just be nothing there, and I think it would feel weird. Yeah. Do your tees a, and your ball marker then go in the right pocket? In the right pocket. Yeah. Wow. And the, and then the, I'm guessing the glove goes in the back left pocket, or you go glove no glove is no glove is. I yeah I go scork I can't I, like not having a glove and like yeah I have a glove in one and then a yardage book in the other. Man, I I'm now I'm just comprehending. The phone's in the front pocket. Yeah. I got the back. The back's like all right, it's just sticking in the back pocket. I didn't realize it's in the front. Yeah. Wow. So like any any picture of me that's always an outline of the phone in the front left pocket, and <laughs> you know a couple of people picked up on it and did not like it so. Wow, I kind of like that like one. Because they think that you can 
like check scores or get some kind of competitive advantage or they didn't like I, it. Just I, no, I, like, I think they're, yeah, they're, they away. just thought I was like crazy. Like what, do you, what, like, why do you have it there? Like just put it in your bag. Like why, like you don't need to have anything on you. Like, I mean, I don't check it or anything. I, it's just there. It's just like kind of like a natural spot that I just put it. <laughs> I like that. I mean, that's, I think again, that's, that's what I like to think about. It's like the modern way to do things. It's the untucked shirt. It's the music playing. It's a cell phone that just stays in our pocket. Like the traditionalist looks at that and says, oh, the kid can't get off the phone, can't put it away. But it's it's not even that because he's not out there texting while in between shots. He's not out there emailing people in between putts. Like it's just there. But I, I like that. I haven't heard that one yet. That is, that's Front definitely- left pocket. That yeah. define that defines superstitious quirks. <laughs> I like that one. And and I always there say this: like if you remove it, you'd feel weird, and and that's what defines it. Like if you were to if you were to take it out, like it wouldn't. It would just be somewhere. Like I put my phone there, and that's just where I put it. If I take it out and put it somewhere else, then whatever. But once you take it out, and you feel like you're missing something, or you feel like you're off balance, and you're like, uh, okay, I, um, something's not right here. And then once yeah. it goes in, you're like, okay, all is well in the world, and now I can play. That's it's definitely something there. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like that one. And, do you do that when you got, play just for fun, too? Yeah, it's always there. And it's gotten to the point where, like, if I forget my wallet in there, too, and it's my phone and wallet, like, I'll feel it in the golf swing. Like, <laughs> I'll be able to notice that. Wallet? And no, I, I, oh, as soon as I know, as soon as I notice it, I take it out. But, yeah, oh, I, I can feel when it's there in the swing. <laughs> this is can i tell you how far mind is? blown i get made fun of for how slow like quote unquote slow i am at getting ready because i'm unloading stuff out of my pockets and into the golf cart or into my bag people are like will you hurry up like it's your turn to hit this is Another maybe level. i just need to leave it in there yeah well yeah maybe you'll start <laughs> shooting lower scores like barnes that's i'll tell you what if i could get Halfway between my scores and 62, I would be super, super happy. <laughs> I mean, we've said you went to Westfield High School, so we have an idea of the area of the state that you're from. But there is a great debate in our in our state. And if we don't get your opinion on it, we'd be, you know, we're, we're doing our listeners a disservice here. But there's a particular kind of breakfast meat that has a controversial name. What is the name of that breakfast meat? Taylor Ham. This went so well. Marcus, this that. was very nice. It was this good went to, so good well. This went so well to that. You know, Mike and I are both pork roll guys, and and Westfield is is on. I don't want to say on the border. It's getting closer to the border, but I bet you you went to school with some kids that called it pork roll. That would be my guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's a mix. I I'm, I'm not somebody who feels incredibly strongly either way, but it, uh, if I'm going to say it, I'm going to say Taylor Ham. Okay. I appreciate the honesty, you know? Uh, yeah, we just went from a great story <laughs> to Taylor Ham, and I'm just – I'm deflated right now. I was at, like, an all-time high right there, knowing that the cell phone stayed in the left pocket the whole time. I'm just, like, riding a wave right now. <laughs> and then I just face-plant it with Bars, the Taylor Ham. say something nice to end it to make Mike happy again. <laughs> no, all good. All good. But listen, Barnes, I, I appreciate you coming on today's show. Listen – it it's been in the works with us for for quite some time, and obviously scheduling can be a nightmare for all of us at times. Um, but finally, being able to get you know forty five minutes to an hour of your time today has has been 
really, really unbelievable. And, you know, obviously we're huge fans. We'll be rooting for you from afar. So, you know, best of luck and Absolutely. thanks for stopping on today's show. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Barnes, appreciate it. Thanks so much. Good luck this uh, this spring here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Name a better feeling than buying something you know you can take and wear anywhere? Money spent on quality products is money well spent. Even more so when you can rock that purchase just about anywhere. Why would you spend a fortune on clothes you'll only wear to the course when you could buy gear that's just as nice at home, at a holiday party, or work event, yet comfy enough it doubles as loungewear? Obviously, we'd all love to be playing 36 holes every weekend of the year, but just because you have to sneak a quick nine in before work doesn't mean you need a change of clothes. And as winter closes in, check out their new festive hoodies and beanies to fight off the chill at www.swannies.co and use code THEDROP25 for 25% off. Swannies is your go-to from work to golf and everything in between.